Welcome to the Dementia Caregiver Talk Show, a podcast to help you navigate the senior care maze. Learn and laugh with us as we discuss creative solutions and ideas to common and uncommon dementia care challenges and how to make sense of the senior care industry and options even if you're not a professional. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Caregiver Talk Show. This is Valerie and I'm here with Joanne Westbrook. How are you doing, Joanne? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And we just had Tipa in town, oh Dementia Katrina, Tipa Snow. How we was did. that, Joanne? Oh, that was uh, that was a whirlwind. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> she is the most interesting person on the planet, I do believe. And we did an incredible program, two yes. of them, which were really wonderful, but the one that stands out in my mind the most was the one on bathing. Yep. And, uh, you know, people look at it differently, but honestly, Tipa has pulled it into so many options that it really made it fun and interesting. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that yes. as a podcast. Yes, don't you we think? will. Yes, yeah. we're planning on that. Yeah. I think we're going to do that pretty soon yeah. because she shared a lot of really practical tips. I mean, she did. Of, uh, people can... Yeah, you know, benefit look from. at it differently. Right, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But that said, <laughs> today's topic is a little different, but just as important. Yeah. And it's uh, memory care options, what you need to know. And Joanne, you know, Joanne is actually a licensed nursing home administrator and a uh, certified yeah. assisted living administrator and, and a certified dementia care trainer with Tipa Snow. So yeah. The perfect person to talk to oh, about this. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's it's a wonderful uh, story because assisted living, you would think that skilled care is the one that's the most complicated. And skilled right. care just means that you need 24 hours of nursing care, mm-hmm. seven days mm-hmm. a week. Assisted living means there's assistance involved but not necessarily that you have to have someone there all the time. Mm. Now, here's where that changes. Okay, That changes when it starts going into memory care because memory care assisted living is a very different animal than assisted living. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is so different? What's different about the memory care? Well, you do have, shall I say, different types of challenges. Oh, yes. You know, uh, yeah. from, uh, I guess, you know, there's the question, uh, there uh, like a, Elopement risk. Yes, you know. huge. That is probably the number one. And I will tell you that the regulations, if you get into an assisted living facility that has a locked, secure door, right. you have to have a specific dementia for that. Because okay. if you put somebody in there that doesn't have that diagnosis, you could get into a lot of trouble. Mm. Locking the door with somebody is simply a safety measure for them. But if somebody is not a person who's wandering, then you should not put that person in that unit mm-hmm. um, because that becomes a restriction and that's a whole no- another problem. Okay. But one of the things that I do want to talk about is the difference. Um, for me, there's different levels of license. So we're talking about a standard license, uh, an LNS. Well, LNS means limited nursing services. Okay. Or ECC, which is extended congregate care. Wow. Now, <laughs> that's why I said it's complicated. No, it is. And, you know, if somebody, if you yeah. have not worked in the industry, that yeah. is just, it is a completely foreign world. It is. You know. 
And um, the difference between that, we'll get into a little bit because it has to do with the license and what you're allowed to do. Okay. Right. The other thing that people are not really familiar with is a CCRC. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a continuing care retirement community. So that means that if you go into that, you usually go into independent, then assisted, and then perhaps memory care, and then finally into skilled care. Mm-hmm. So it's all on one campus. Now, that can be very, very expensive because most of those are a buy-in. So you buy in with a large chunk of money right up front to allow you to go through all of those different stages. So let's say, for instance, that you, you know how we get into memory care much later than. Yes. It's usually not. We don't see it right away. Mm -hmm. So the problem is if you get into a CCRC, you can't immediately go into assisted. You have to go through the whole process. So you have to go to independent and then assisted. See how that works. And so if you're already too far to be left alone, why would you get into a CCRC where you're going to be alone? Right. Independent living. Yeah. Yeah, That wouldn't work anymore. Isn't that awful? Because um, there's very few that you can get where you just go directly into assisted and then move on to whatever you need. It's it's complicated. Now, there's a lot of uh, freestanding memory care units. And we're going to talk about what happens and why that's an issue at another point. But um, memory care is very specific to people who really require a lot of care. And the reason I say a lot of care, it's not necessarily physical like it would be in skilled. Skilled care is more frail. What happens with dementia is that you still have that strength and the physical ability to walk around and do what you want to do. It's the thinking process that Mm -hmm. becomes the problem. So we're looking at different kinds of care and different levels, right? So to me, that's really, really, uh, really important. And the other thing comes into is medication. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a memory care unit, you would assume that somebody cannot understand the medication. They cannot be doing medication for themselves. So the law requires them to have a nurse administer uh, medication. Okay. If you're in a standard license, the CNAs can assist you. But once you not once you don't understand what your medication is, you really need to have a nurse. Now, what happens if you have a nurse from nine to five? Oh, well, yeah. What if you need medication, let's say, at 7 o'clock? Exactly. In the middle of the night. What if you need to have a shot? When you have to have a shot, you need to have a nurse give you that shot. So what you want to be looking for is when you get into some of these facilities, what is the care level that you're going to get Mm -hmm. depending on the license that you get? Wow. Okay. And, I mean, that sounds like it's really you know, complicated, but any assisted living facility has major layers right. of challenges. Right. So the first thing I'll say to you is in a memory care unit, is the staffing appropriate? And what do I mean by that is when you look at nursing home most of the time or a regular assisted living, you're going to be taking care of more patients because the care isn't as heavy duty, but memory care takes a lot longer. If you've ever had to work with someone, bathe them, dress them, whatever it is you have to do, it's going to take you so much longer. So you need to be looking at like a one to seven ratio Mm -hmm. if you're in memory care and Mm -hmm. you're not, and you're going to be looking for that. 
the other thing is what happens at night? Now, what if you have a resident who's very confused and you're on the third floor, you have a fire in the building, the elevators are out. Do you have enough staff on all three floors that you can get all of those residents out of that building? Well, most people, most families don't think about that. Right. But that is a huge issue. Yeah. So you want to be very, very careful about that. Just kind of take a look at and see what the, the staffing looks like. Ask your uh, administrator there and find out what's going on with that. Because that's, you know, that's a big one. Day shift is not as bad. Night shift, though, is, is the safety thing that kind of scares me. Usually at night, the staffing is lower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you want to think about. And now here's one thinking of Tipa Snow, as we do. If you have a a specialized training memory care unit, what kind of training did that staff get? Ah. Well, (laughs) one would hope many, many hours. um... And that's one of the questions you want to ask that person, because what kind of training did they sit through and watch a video or did they get a lot of hands-on training skills? Right. Because the way that you learn to work with somebody, your approach, um, just basically understanding conversation and communication can be completely different than if you just have a little bit of, okay, we're going to show you a PowerPoint and talk about it today, and then, then you'll have your time in. That's definitely not where we want to go. No. So as you're entering, please be thinking about that. Ask them what the training is and who gave them the training. Mm-hmm. And then do a little bit of research. And you you look up Tipa Snow and you'll find out what the difference is. Right. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we're, you know, sometimes we're, uh, some of the areas are not as lucky. So we're trying to spread the word, too, about Tipa because her skills really, really work Mm -hmm. in all Mm -hmm. areas. Yes, they do. And it's because you have to practice. I know sometimes people don't like that, but you really don't learn unless you feel it. Mm -hmm. you got to see it, feel it, taste it. It's got to be a part of you, and then you you know what to do. Mm -hmm. In an emergency, let me tell you, when somebody's in your face, you better be skilled because you're not going to know what to do, and you may get hit. So... We want to prevent that uh, for sure. So also just remember, sometimes these places will get by with a nurse on call. And we don't want to do that because in an emergency, you really would prefer to have a nurse 24-7. And the really better facilities have that. Right. So just kind of ask, is your nurse, do you have a nurse on 24-7 or is this somebody that just comes in when they're called? You know, be, be aware of all those kind of things. So the other thing is, Uh, And this one becomes an issue for me because I worry a lot about people about aging in place. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a standalone memory care unit, then it's not attached to anything else. It's just the memory care unit. So my question is, um, have you worked out a system where that person can be placed in a nursing home? In other words, when they get to the point where they can no longer stay in your building, Let's say they have a limited nursing, but not an ECC. I'll tell you a little more about that in a minute. But if they have to leave the building for some reason because they are bed bound, which they can't be. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would uh, your policy be about that person transferring? Does that mean that the family has to go out and find a place 
or do you have a relationship with another nearby good facility that you can automatically transition them into? So that's a question that should be at the top of your interview. Right. In absolutely. Your- yeah. I mean, because as a family member, I wouldn't want to know that. Yeah. You know, because if, if they, <laughs> let's say if they did not have such a, let's say, call it a partnership and right. it, that time came and then it, it would feel like I would have to start all over again. Yeah. Right. It's really, really kind of scary. I mean, I, my experience in the buildings that I had, mine were ECC, I had a nurse 24 mm-hmm. seven. We had a relationship with hospice and our residents uh, about 95% of the time were allowed to die in place. Mm-hmm. So we did not have to transfer them. Now, if there's a feeding tube involved, unfortunately that still happens. I try to speak with the families to help them understand there is no good outcome with, with that. It's not going to make them better. It's not going to extend the life into any mm-hmm. quality of care. But if that happens, they do have to go to a nursing home. And so that's the only real if they're going on. Otherwise, you could stay there and pass away where you're comfortable within your own environment. And that's, you know, with, with dementia, it's just the very last stages where you're bed bound. Otherwise, you're up and around. So... To me, that's a that's kind of a big thing. You want to have a relationship, a good one with hospice or whichever program that you have. The other thing is we had an excellent palliative care in place. So we had that comfort care uh, towards the end as well before they got into the hospice. So the more programs that you have, the more quality of care you have within your building, the better off you're going to mm-hmm. be. But again, it's, you know, it's one of those things where moving somebody and transferring them is traumatic. Right. You know, it's a little bit scary. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret about some facilities. Sometimes uh, they will charge what we call levels of care. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure those of you who have tried to get out there probably know about that, but Um, levels of care then become far more expensive than when you first came in. Mm -hmm. Every time your level of care changes, the more it changes, the higher your rates go. So if you were thinking you were going to pay a fixed set fee, you're going to ask them right up front, is there a charge every single time my loved one changes? And if they say yes, then you might want to rethink whether or not, depending if you have the money to do that, that's great. But for some of them, it's a struggle because memory care in assisted living is getting very close to the cost of nursing home care. Oh, wow. So we're talking about be careful where you go Mm -hmm. and what's going to be charged Mm -hmm. because it does make a very big, a big difference. Um, But does that surprise you about the cost? <laughs> oh, yeah. I should say, yes, that's very true. But anyway, what we want to talk about also for a moment is just the quality of care. What does the building look like? What does it feel like inside? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I both know the difference between the feel of um, really a clinical setting, like right. a nursing home. Yeah. And then the difference between an assisted, now I'm not talking about, you know, about the chandeliers right. and all that. It's, I'm talking about the whole, the feel of being in a home. Right. 
very different feeling for somebody because when you take them out of their environment and you put them in another place, the one thing you're going to want is for it to feel comfortable and you want it to feel like, ooh, yeah, I could stay here. I would be okay here because it's going to be hard transition the first time you do this. Very hard. The other thing is um, when you're talking about the kind of food they serve, what kind of limitations do they have? Because your loved one may be getting to the point where, especially at the end, they need finger foods. Mm-hmm. They need to have things set up for them that look wonderful, but might have swallowing problems, right. you know, all of those things. And believe it or not, you can do that in assisted living if you have the right license. If you mm-hmm. have that ECC license, you're definitely going to get a lot more care out of that than you were if it's a standard. So be thinking about the difference between what those are mm-hmm. can make a very big difference. I will tell you about food, though. I think this is really kind of interesting because of your mental uh, condition. And that is that a lot of times you'll see white plates, white cups, right. <laughs> white napkins. Right. So when somebody is having difficulties, remember with Louis body on the left side, yes. what happens with that? I mean, it's. Yeah, you feel, well, you feel the vision shrinks. And is it with Louis body that you can one side? Yeah. Uh, your one side of uh, vision in essence goes away. Yeah. It's almost like you go into a mono. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, if you take yeah. your hand and make like a little circle, right. Your thumb close your the other cap, eye and then close the other eye and then look through it. Yeah. Yes. So if I imagine now I look down on a plate, I wouldn't see. Only half of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really interesting. And the other thing is, too, for somebody with this condition, is if you have mashed potatoes on a white plate, do you think they're going to see them? No. No. I would think that having high contrast would really help. That and also very colorful plates really helps with different colors because it's more appetizing. It is. Right? But then again, their visual, the vision becomes so limited towards the end that you want to be able to, you know, you don't want to have a white cup and put milk in it. I mean, they don't even think there's anything in it. They're not going to drink it. Right. So you have to think through the preparation of how you present the food Mm -hmm. because it makes a difference when your vision is limited. Mm -hmm. And it really changes uh, the quality of life. And then if you turn that plate around, by the way, then they'll eat the other half. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They keep saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Yeah. But um, that's a that's a critical thing. The other thing is how different is the environment with the way the air feels? And when I'm talking about air conditioning, I'm talking about usually it's cold in there yeah. because the staff is running around so much, right? right. This is really for the staff. Right. <laughs> but when you have uh, dementia, your hypothalamus is damaged, and that's what regulates your body temperature, oh. right? Okay. So when that is damaged, more than likely, these are the people that will sit out in the full sun with a sweater on. Right. That would be me. <laughs> <There>, yeah, <laughs> it might be. <laughs> but that they would be very cold. Yeah. And to be in an environment that is really cold is uncomfortable. Ooh. And they're, yes. they're, how would you be able to take a bath, by the way? Oh, I would not want to take my clothes yeah. off. If it's no, 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 no. So, um, which was kind of fun what we did with Tifa. We'll right. talk about that when we do a bathing 
Um, but that idea of trying to take somebody's clothes off when it is freezing in there is, I mean, it's not going to happen. So look at the environment, figure out, is that a good temperature in there? And also look at noise level. Mm. You know, usually with dementia, there isn't damage to the hearing, which is people are surprised at. But unless you already have a, a problem or disease with the ear right, problem, right, right. which can happen. But normally for the, the breakdown, that isn't affected. So they're very sensitive to loud noises. So have you ever been in a room where it was just so loud and the music or what, and you just had to get away? Yes, yes. Well, a lot of times that happens in memory care units because everybody's talking at the same time. Everybody's TVs are on at the same time. So that's like an overstimulation. Oh my gosh. How that would be for me. It is. It is. It absolutely is. So the sound levels are really, really important. And one of the things that we did is we started those. Do you remember when we were looking at the iPods where people had their own individual Mm -hmm. music? Mm Mm-hmm. And the reason that we we discovered this back when the social worker went around checking this out, and uh, it was the most amazing movie they made called Alive Inside yes. about Henry. And basically what happened was, it's just like you and me, we may not have the same taste in music. Mm-hmm. And so you hire someone to come in and play music and then, whoop, half the class leaves. Because that's not the kind of, like, no, I don't like polka like, yeah, music. No, I don't, not my yeah, thing. Not square dancing. Yeah, no. No. So then if you know and can customize the music to them, for people who are either bed bound or, let's say, introverts and would prefer oh, yeah. not to oh. go play bingo, no. uh, like to be sort of on their own, yep. that is the most, especially if they're upset, it's very calming for them. So using that kind of uh, technique is really, uh, it's amazing. It, it really does help a lot because music to me changes my mood. I'm sure it does Absolutely. for most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, um, one of the things we want to talk about is the wandering. And wandering is a big issue, and that's why they have secured units. However, um, the environment itself needs to be set up so it keys you back to the area where you live and your room and that space. So depending on how it's designed, it can make a huge difference mm-hmm. in helping you reorient where you're going. Otherwise, you're going to be a little bit lost on a regular basis. The question is, do you have space to be able to wander without getting into trouble? And that really becomes an issue for people not only if they get too tired, they need to have places where they can sit and rest because sometimes they'll just pace and pace until they almost fall down. And so you, and also, by the way, that becomes an issue where they lose weight if they're walking too much. So the environment, the way it's set up is going to be a real huge issue. Now, here's my fun part of this wandering. Many, many times, because we know that when they're in a certain stage, they're still good at chit-chat. Right. How are you doing? Good. Oh, nice to see you. And people think that you're doing very well. And they can hang out by the door until they see a family member come. And what do they do? Oh, you know what? I left. I I don't have my key to get out. I need to get to my car. I, my husband is waiting for me for dinner. Can Uh-oh. you just? Can I just go out with you? Would that be okay? And they turn around. And they go, sure. Come on, let's go. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Bad idea. Yes, exactly. But again, understanding how those systems can work 
educate your families and the people in there to know that you mustn't let anyone out without mm -hmm. checking mm -hmm. first with the mm -hmm. nurse on the unit. Yes. <laughs> that can bad. happen. It oh. can really happen. Um, but also one of my favorite things, my husband's an artist, as you know, and he has painted many murals mm -hmm. in different facilities. And one of the things that we've done about distraction is keeping it from looking like it's the door that you go out. Right. Right. Yep. So if you have a whole area that looks like you're out and it's tropical and mm -hmm. it's beautiful and it sort of guides you to keep going, you're going to have less problems with hearing the buzzer go off every time the door up, here we go. <laughs> so, you know, you need to make sure that you have um, some sort of distraction there. But the other part of that is how good is your staff at distraction? If you see somebody who's ready to go out that mm -hmm. door, you know that's what they want. What are you going to do with that? And that's the thing that comes back to that TIPA training because you really need to understand how to work with that person, not to lie to them, by the way, but distract them so that there's something else that will take their attention enough to get them to forget about it. Yes. Maybe a cup of coffee. Oh, come, let's go with me and, or take them outside for a walk. That's in a secured area mm -hmm. because you might say there is, you know, something going on over here. Did you know they were having a party outside? I certainly hope there is a party outside. Yeah. <laughs> if you say that, but find that distraction moment that will definitely, uh, definitely work for you. The other thing is also I want to make sure that you have a family support group. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you um, how difficult this is for families right now as they go through the process with their loved one. Mm -hmm. Trying to, this is so stressful to them because they're not familiar with what all these problems are. And sometimes right. they, they actually come up to you and say, you know, I gave up because I didn't know how to do it. But you're the professional you should be able to fix this. Okay. So first of all, we know there's no fixing it, no. but we do need to educate our family. So they understand the process that their loved one is going to go through. And we do that in support groups and support group is about education. And the more, you know, and the more you learn, the less stress on yourself and for your loved one, because if you get upset, they're going to get upset. Mm -hmm. So remember to be asked right away, do you have a support group for me? Yes. Because <laughs> I'm going to need it. <laughs> but those are just your basic uh, conversations that you want to have when you talk to your admissions person. Mm -hmm. And please feel free to do several different facilities. Right. Because you need to see what options are out there and you want to do it before the crisis. Uh, yes. You want to know what is out there because what we don't want is somebody to suddenly fall and break a hip. And then the only facility that's available is not the one you want to mm -hmm. go to. Right. Nope. So those are just some of the thoughts you might want to present to your admissions person. And I hope that is helpful. Thank you so much. And yeah, I, th I think that would be immensely helpful because again, if you have not worked in the industry, yeah. then the sheer amount of options and difference in like Scary. ECC mm -hmm. and all the different licensing, it would just be really confusing. It's overwhelming. It though. is. And, yeah. and you know, but the more, you know, the better of a choice you'll be able to make. That's true. Um, and I think that's, 
priceless. And and like yeah. you said, don't wait until the crisis moment because if you plan yeah. ahead a little oh, bit and yes. visit different facilities, you'll be able to make that much more of an informed decision. A much better you for know. you and for your loved one. Yeah. Absolutely. When time comes. Yeah. So, yeah. so thank you for inviting me to talk about that. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Again, I think it's, it's critical. I do and, too. Um, and it'll be good for your loved one too. So that you, we want them to have the quality of life, but we want you to survive this too. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so thank you again. I appreciate that. Thank you, Duran. I really appreciate it. And everybody, um, if you want to chat with us, like, in the non-audio version, uh, you should join our Facebook group. Absolutely. Because we created a Facebook group for yeah. listeners of our show. And you can find it if you're on Facebook and you type in a little search bar. If you type Dementia Caregiver Talk Show. Mm. And then it will pop up and you click the join button. And uh, then we'll have you join the group. And and we love that because then they talk to each other. That's what it. What a great opportunity, mm-hmm. huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ren. Thank you. And thank you to all of you out there. Yep. And we'll hear you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.